0: To all of you folks who are apparently healthy this evening, glad some of us are, amen, and uh, I can remember a few other times throughout the years where we seem to have a major wave of sickness. I don't know if I ever really remember the summertime, but here we are. The good thing is God is good no matter what, amen. Welcome to all of you, welcome to those of you that may be joining us online this evening, and again, all of our brothers and sisters who are home not feeling well, we miss you, we are praying for you in Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 14, I'll begin reading with verse number 13, Exodus 14. Verse number 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Somebody say today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you will hold your peace. And The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Lord, thank you for this opportunity this evening to be together in your presence. Thank you for your presence that we are able to experience. Thank you that when two or three gather in your name, you promised you would be in the midst, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray, God, that you would speak to us. Let your word and your spirit minister. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what you would say to us tonight, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I just, uh, I've mentioned them a number of times over the course of the last several months, but I have now just started F.B. Meyer's book on Moses. And as i just only a chapter or two in, it was something that just kind of began to uh, chew on my mind and my spirit. We, uh, and it, it appears as though in the initial chapters of this book that this is kind of where the book is going, but we seem to focus a lot on Moses as the deliverer and the one that God uses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and and of course then leading them through the wilderness and leading them for 40 years not entering the promised land but leading them to the promised land and 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 we focus a lot and rightfully so we focus a lot on the on the great things that God did. We focus on the, the ten plagues. And then finally, that that coming out of Egypt, that we, we, we focus on them as they begin their exit from Egypt. They, they initially come to the Red Sea and and here they are, seemingly trapped by the Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh now sends his army after them. And so they feel like they are completely trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, an entire nation of people, millions of people, not not equipped, not prepared. This isn't just a an army, this is not just a military ready for a military standoff, this is this is grandfathers and grandmothers. This is infants. This is, this is, this is everybody in between. And, and God miraculously puts a wall. He just, he just sticks a wall right between the Egyptian army and the children of Israel. I don't know that the scripture gives us any indication, but I'm of the opinion that wall was paper thin. God just was showing how powerful he was and just simply put a small barrier between them and protected the children of Israel. And then, of course, God gives Moses instructions, as I've read to you. Stretch out your rod. And, and he stretches out his rod, and the waters begin to part. And, and and then the children of Israel begin to walk through. And, you know, i, I got to tell you, if they would have had to have walked through in the mud... I don't think it would have been any less miraculous. It would have been a little more challenging, but it would have been no less miraculous. But they, they, they walk through and they walk through on dry ground. And then, of course, they get on the other side. And, and now Moses looks back and, and, the, and the waters swallow up the, the, uh, the, the, the children of Israel, or excuse me, the Egyptians. And I, I've heard it argued that that, that water was, was, wasn't very deep where the children of Israel walked through as far as trying to say that it wasn't very miraculous. If it wasn't very deep, them walking through it might not have been too miraculous, but in a whole army getting swallowed up in it was miraculous, so either way. But but here here's the thing that kind of jumped out to me. If you go back a couple of chapters... Chapter number 12, verse number 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the self same day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. That's sort of mentioned somewhat in passing. but it's actually extremely significant because again the focus tends to be on the children of israel's time in egypt and and all that they went through the suffering that they had to deal with and 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 starting with joseph which when joseph was alive in egypt it was it was relatively good for them but but then joseph after after the Pharaoh that knew Joseph dies, the Bible says there was a Pharaoh that arose that didn't know Joseph, and now he's beginning to be threatened by the the, the growing number of the children of Israel, and that's when things begin to change. And so, uh, the majority of uh, of their time now becomes very difficult time, they're living under taskmasters. They are the slaves. They're they're having to do all kinds of work without proper. Uh, resources to do all of that, and 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 so again, we we spend a lot of time focusing on kind of that small portion of things. But but it says when when four hundred and thirty years came, it was the self same day that it came to pass that something begins to change, and and. So here is the pretty significant thing that seems to be, at least by us, oftentimes kind of overlooked. If We go back a chapter, or excuse me, a book to Genesis chapter number 12. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed of Haran. So Abraham begins this journey because God has called him for whatever reasons God has chosen Abram to become the one to be the the beginning of his people. Everyone that blesses you, I will bless. Everyone that curses you, I will curse. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens and and as numerous as the sands are by the seashore. And, and, And so Abraham launches off with this great promise, not probably really fully comprehending the significance of who he was and everything God would bring about from his life. But then if you go to chapter number 15, and it's still kind of, uh, to me, sort of this initial calling of Abram and And the establishing of this relationship between God and Abram is is still taking place. And so in Genesis 15 and verse 1, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, Saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is, is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness and said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee, out of the Ur, brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Now watch this. He says, I've missed something somewhere. I need to read on. I've had lots of mess-ups today, so I'll just bear with me for a moment. I'm in the wrong place, and I don't even have the punchline. Somewhere in the midst of all of this, maybe somebody will find it, help me out real quick. <laughs> Somewhere in the midst of all of in just this, this discourse, this, this initial discourse between God calling Abram, promising Abram, he kind of says, oh, by the way, your descendants are going to spend 400 years. In a land of affliction. 13. Wow, there it is. Thank you all. And he said unto... Well, let's just keep reading. And he said, verse 9, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon... And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred (laughs) years. In the initial stages of calling Abram, he tells him in advance, these people that are going to be your descendants are going to spend four hundred years in a land of affliction. And so I'm telling you this in advance just so you know that when this happens, it's all a part of the plan. That when the people I've chosen and have promised the land to end up stuck in a land that is not theirs in bondage for 400 plus years, I want you to know it's okay. It's all a part of the promise. So when it says 400 years had come, 430 years, it was time. And, and unfortunately for you and I, God does not always talk to us in quite those specific terms as He does with Abram. He doesn't always tell us how long we've got as a part of the process. But he told Abram, I want you to know your descendants. They're going to spend 400 years. I, I, I've come to challenge, I think I've come to challenge first and foremost us as a congregation tonight. Because I think we are, we feel like maybe we're in a bit of a, of a, of a, of a land of affliction. And we think that maybe God has forgotten us or neglected us or abandoned us. I realize He may not have told us every detail before we started our journey. But He knew every step of the way. I I, I almost brought it in, brother Mott. I guess maybe I should have, but I I don't know how many of you got your red baton from that was the first wasn't that the first B two S R we ever did? How many of you still got your red baton from the first back to school revival? Brother, uh, Brother Enzi was our speaker that year and, 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 and there's a little hole that's drilled into the end of that baton and, 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 and rolled up inside of there is a little piece of paper that's got a, 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 bullet points basically of the significant promises that God has given to this church. I, I realize we may not have been given the details of how long it was going to be before we got to the fulfillment of our promise. But I've come to tell this church tonight in the same way that God brought The children of Israel after Egypt when the time was right according to what he said is the same thing God's going to do for us. we just got to go back to the fact we've got some promises that God has given. And the good news is, as I preached this morning, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. 400 plus years you want to talk about a a, a detour (laughs) but it was all a part that God said from the very beginning I I don't know I know some of you listen pretty regularly to, to brother Shelton on Tuesday nights the sanctuary of Houston live stream he does I don't always catch it live and a lot of times I at least go back and get a few minutes to hear, but 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 he, he talked about this past Tuesday night that there was a shift. That there was some things God has already sent and God is already doing. Can, can I can I remind you for a moment, here is num second time for today. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't going to touch any hot button topics today but 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 can I tell you, you, you folks we better not miss the fact that all of this upheaval that's going on in our nation is a natural reflection of a spiritual conflict if all you are is caught up in the laws and this and that and 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 which side of the aisle all of this have to do with, you are so spiritually naive and you need to wake up. I said it several years ago with some things and I'm going to say it again. All of this is a natural manifestation of a spiritual conflict because there is an enemy that is not just going to sit back and roll over and let the kingdom of God. God march forward and so you and I need to recognize there is a war that is going on and we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and we have the authority to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The sad thing I've seen, again, I'll say it different than I said it this morning, but the sad thing I've seen the last couple of days on social media, Facebook especially, is Christians who are getting wrapped up in a political conversation. And I'll say it again tonight, there are some things that are political issues. Student loans are political issues. (laughs) Immigration is a political issue in a lot of ways. But I'm sorry, don't put the protection of a life in the category of a political issue because a political issue is inferior to a moral issue. And, and, and by the way, for all of... Oh my goodness. For all of you that just buy hook, line, and sinker what you watch and hear on the news and don't think for yourself Do you know, and and, and I I couldn't find in just the last few years, but a survey I found from, I think it was about 15 years ago, and here's here's the big one everybody wants to throw out there, that that according to this survey, according to this survey, it is less than 1%, less than 1% of abortions are because of rape. I, I I looked at it today. <laughs> oh Lord. I looked I again just some surveys. Basically one one survey I read it's almost almost fifty percent of the reason for an abortion is simply a personal selfish reason. In fact, between abuse and health reasons for having an abortion the combination of those is right around ten to twelve percent, and this nation is in uproar. And some Christians, I, I've been I've been appalled at reading a few comments on Facebook in the last forty eight hours by supposed apostolics. in statements basically in defense of those that are angry about what has happened. Oh, Lord. You know what? It's, it, we, we, we've we got to recognize there is a spiritual battle. And do you think, read, read your Bible again, God does His greatest work in the most inopportune times. God doesn't decide to do His greatest work when everything is neat and nicely in order. When every, when all the stars are in alignment. I, I, I wonder, I, I'm, I'm sure, uh, the bottom line is they had a promise they had a promise that some of them believed so much that Joseph, prior to dying, said, I want, you to, I want you to promise me, I think if I'm not mistaken, he may, I want you to swear an oath. I want you to swear an oath that when, not if, but when you leave Egypt, You will dig my bones up out of the ground and take me with you. Because I believe in the promise that God said there's only going to be a certain amount of time that we have Going to be here and then we are leaving. I wonder if there's anybody in this place tonight that has the same attitude as is said of those in Hebrews chapter 11. They saw the promises afar of off and they were fully persuaded that what God promised, He was able to perform. And even those that did not see the fulfillment of the promises in their lifetime died believing that even though God had not done it yet, they were certain God was going to do it. I know we didn't give, get all the details of how long we would have to go through things and how many adversaries and, and difficulties we would have to fight. But can I tell you tonight the same way in which God knew how long they were going to be in Egypt before He decided today is the day, is the same thing for us I, I wonder if I got anybody left when I know some of you're I I know you're weary and whatever and I I maybe I I can't see Facebook or or YouTube, so maybe some of you can give a digital amen, but I I wonder if there's is there anybody here tonight that still believes that we've got some promises that God has given us and in spite of what it looks like and may feel like at times, that God is faithful to perform what he had promised. Do you know, I, I used to, I, for, for years, for years and years and years, I, I misunderstood and I don't think I'm the only one that's ever done this. Maybe some of you still haven't fully understood it, but for years and years, I was under the impression that the children of Israel wandered in Egypt for 40 years to punish all of the unbelievers. Because that's what it seems like because it, they, they, they got to, they got to the, the promised land. They send spies into the promised land. They come back. Joshua and Caleb says, we are well able to take the land. The other ten spies say, we are, we are grasshoppers in their eyes. And, and, and so they, they, everybody believes that the ten spies and, and, and unbelief settles in. And so God says, that, okay, here you go. You're going to wander. And so if, if you just read it from that perspective, if you just hear that perspective, then I think it's why it's easy to come to a conclusion God was just trying to, or not trying, but God was punishing. I, I don't remember exactly where it is. If somebody finds it, shout it out. But there is a passage where it specifically states, the reason they wandered for 40 years was not to punish the unbelievers it was to try the believers. It was to find out who, in spite of the adversity, still believed. Who, in spite of all of the challenges that they went through, still had faith. Maybe what some of you have been dealing with is God's just been putting you to the test to find out, do you have faith? And I, I believe there are some people here tonight. I believe there's some people that are a part of us that aren't here tonight. But I believe there's some people that still have some faith. That what God promised, He is able. And not only is He able, but He will perform what He promised. I, I, I struggle, I got to be honest with you, I struggle because I do feel like a lot of times we are waiting for this sort of magical moment when things suddenly change. We are, we are waiting for this elusive revival. And, and I, I I talked about it, I think it was just this past Thursday night, in, in, in the idea of our own individual walk with God, there, there, there is rarely, if ever, these these sudden transformations we take this step and suddenly we're different but here's here's the other side of that that I struggle with is the fact for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness and finally on Another ordinary day, the Lord speaks to Joshua, and he passes the word out to the congregation. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders. Why tomorrow? We've been wandering 40 years in a wilderness. Why tomorrow? Because that's the day God set it up from the beginning. Today God's going to take us out of Egypt. I I know we've been through nine plagues and and, and we've been through the ups and downs of Pharaoh saying go and not go, but today. So I I don't think we should live with some kind of illusion of some magical day, but I also know this, God has timing. the scripture says, Be not weary in well-doing for in for in due season if you've got a healthy apple orchard and you go out in the middle of winter to try to pick apples you're not going to get apples it's not due season you got to go at due season and and I, I realize there have been times we've thought and we've expected, but don't let the fact that we've we, we may not have gotten the timing right in the past cause us to miss. God has a due season. I've used this so many times through the years, but there's not one single lady who has been pregnant that has experienced false labor. That when all of that labor, false labor stopped and subsided, no more contractions, and there's not one of them that said, well, well, I guess I'm not pregnant. Didn't happen. I wonder how many times we've just given up because there's been some false labor but yet we're still pregnant with the promises. And again, I realize for us, God may not have told us the timing in the way in which He told Abram, but God knows the timing. Oh, I challenge somebody here tonight, don't give up. Keep trusting, keep believing. If God said it, He cannot lie. I, I read this this morning, and I'm, I'm going to read it again this evening. But in Luke chapter 8, verse number 22, says, Now it came to pass on a certain day, a certain day. <laughs> that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy, and they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. They, they, they. Again, I, I, if I was one of them, I think I probably would have done the same thing they did. So I'm not trying to be critical of them, but but they missed something. I, I realize in 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 verse number 22, you know, they they were they probably weren't in the middle of a seven day fast, and and he responds and says, you know, the, thus saith the Lord. Let us go over unto the other side. Of course, if he would have said, thus saith the Lord, it would have kind of been redundant. I I, I realize it was no pomp and circumstance. There was no great emotional. But he made a statement that if they would have really gotten a hold of the statement, they would not have dealt with the fear and the anxiety they dealt with. Because the statement was, let's go to the other side. And you know what? I believe there's some people here tonight that know that, you don't have that dramatic prophetic word, rhema, from God. But I believe there's some people in this place tonight where it may have seemed to have been a simple passing statement. But if you were really listening, God was letting you in on some important information. You're going to the other side. I, I, I'm in control here. I, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm taking you. How many of you here tonight? Again, no, more, no trick questions, at least for now. How many of you tonight believe you are call, God has called you? Whatever that call is, I, I, that, how many of you believe you are called? See, come, on, see, come on, if you believe it, let me see. Don't don't. Can I tell you if God has called you? If God has called you, that's enough. That's enough. He which hath begun a good work is able. Not only is he able, but he will complete it. He will complete it. I, I said this. I think it was on Thursday night, but the first night of the the Difference Maker Masterclass that we've been participating in, streaming, joining the Zoom. The, the first night brother brother wilson and, and was speaking and in his in the handouts there was there was uh there was a statement along the lines or a question of what what words or promises have God has god given you and and I started writing down the names of some men that through the years some going back to the mid nineties that 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 I've been prophesied to by I'm not the only one in this place tonight that you've got words from God. God's timing is usually never according to our timing. And how nice would it have been to gone from giving Abraham the promise straight to the promised land. Who wants to spend four hundred plus years in adverse circumstances? Who who wants to deal with what they've had to go through during that time? But God knew it. God knew it. I I I, boy I feel about as dead as I've ever felt preaching. So it's either I I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm on. I I believe there. I maybe just one person, but I believe there's somebody here tonight that you've got some things that you've given up on. Because you've been in Egypt. You you you've been in Egypt and, and and know God maybe God didn't tell you in advance, I'm gonna let you sit here for four hundred years, but God knew. So while you may not have known, you may not have known Egypt was a part of your journey, God knew Egypt was a part of your journey. And when God promised you what He was going to do, He knew the journey to get you there. Jesus shows up at the tomb of of Lazarus. Lord, if you would have been here, they were ready just to move on. They, they, they were. We've, we're, we've, we've already started grieving. We've already started the mourning process. He's dead. We're good. Let's go. They, they almost talked Jesus out of a miracle. I, I believe there's some folks here tonight that you're pretty much trying to talk God out of a calling because the timing hasn't been the way you expected and the process hasn't been the way you expected. But the promise is just as real. And and the fact that maybe, maybe it was just a passing thought. Maybe it was just... Maybe it was a man or woman of God standing in a pulpit and they said something. They didn't even call your name, but there was something inside of you that resonated. That's for me. That that was, Hey, we're going to the other side. That was it. Simple as it was. If they'd have latched on to that when they got in the midst of the storm, they wouldn't have worried. He said, we're going to the other side i got a question. Is there anybody in this place tonight that you believe you've got some promises from God, but the circumstances you are in right now are are adverse to the fulfillment of that promise? Anybody? How about this? Any of you that you're in circumstances that are contrary to the fulfillment of that promise? You're, You're starting to question and doubt? If God said it, if God said it, He cannot lie. I don't know if anybody else besides me has ever done this, but I, I've gone back through some of the promises I know God's given me. But I've also gone back, I, I reread them, Brother Mott, just just before service. I, I know all of them, but I reread them anyway. Do you understand that when God? gives a word when God makes a promise. He knows every challenge every obstacle every problem that is necessary to fulfill nothing catches him by surprise and Hebrews tells us that the worlds were framed By the Word. So when God gives you a Word, He is framing a world. And when God gives you a Word and is framing a world, He is putting everything necessary into that world for the fulfillment of the promise. So if I will just do my part and be faithful to the process, God is going to do His part and fulfill the promise. He will be faithful to His part to fulfill the promise. It was almost... To me, it's... In the reading of the calling of Abram and what God said to Abraham, it was almost just kind of like a by the way, here's what I'm calling you for, here's what I'm going to do through you. By the way, you're going to spend 400 and something years in bondage, but you know, it's just, this is a part of the journey. This <laughs> is all a part of it. I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want you to fret over it. it. It's just a pit stop. It's a long pit stop, but it's just a pit stop. I, I believe there's some I believe collectively, but I also believe individually, there's some people in this place tonight. Maybe you're struggling a little bit to believe it, but where you are it's just it's all a part of the journey. It's all a part of where God's taking you. And and, and you may be in some bondage right now, but it's okay. Because the day is coming that if God said it, and I'm not questioning by if, uh, rhetorically, if God said it, then God is going to do it. I think the challenge is oftentimes we get a taste of what's coming, but it's not the time for what's coming. And when all we seem to do is get a taste of it and it doesn't happen, we lose hope. We get discouraged. But be not weary in well-doing for in due season. Let me tell you something. You will never bypass the process. And I've said it many times and I'll say it again. There's two basic reasons to me why God gives you a promise of what He's going to do. One reason God gives you a promise of what He's going to do is because He is not about to do it anytime soon. What's the point in God telling you what He's going to do if He's getting ready to do it? Just do it. But He gives you a word because it's not time yet, but He wants you to know this is is where you're going. So I want you to hold on, trust, and believe this is where you're going. If God gives you a word, a promise for something that He's about to do, then the reason He's giving you a promise for what He's about to do is because all hell is going to break loose. And so He may be about to do it relatively soon, but in that space, everything is going to come against you. And our problem is too often we get a word from God and we think He's telling us that word because everything is just about to bust wide open in a good sense. But it doesn't happen right away. We start to question and doubt. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that that you have need of patience. Patience. Patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive. how many of you believe, again, no trick question, how many of you believe you, there's some areas right now and you're, you believe you have done the will of God, but it's just not happening. You have need of patience, not faith, patience. In another place, it says they, received the, they obtained the promise through faith and, and patience. For the heavens, there have been a lot of people that have walked through the doors of this church in 50 years that had faith. Had faith. They had faith. Plenty of faith. Bottom line is, you really don't need much faith. There have been a lot of people that have walked through the doors of this church and its history that had faith, and they've also walked right out the doors at some point because they had faith. Because it's not just good enough to have faith. You need patience. And of course, again, that word patience... Is not just sitting on somebody that's an hour and a half late smiling with a good attitude. That word patience is endurance. That word patience means to stay under. Stay under what? Stay under the weight of the promise that I know it doesn't look good, but I've got a promise. And I can't give up on this promise. I can't quit. I can't throw in the towel. And so while I continue having faith in what God's going to do, I'm going to have endurance to wait until God does it. Stand, please. We can celebrate the deliverances. We celebrate the victories. But... Let's not forget the fact that God knew in advance every challenge, every obstacle, every season where you felt like you're stuck, where you feel like nothing's happening. But if you got a word, if you got a word, hang on to the word. Hang on to the word. Because if God said it, God will do it. I want to close this way. Those of you that, whether it's you just believe in the promises God has given us collectively, that's the promises you're holding on to. So whether it's those collective promises we have or if it's individual promises that you know God has given you. And obviously the reason you still have a promise is because He hasn't fulfilled it. Once He fulfilled it, it fulfills it, it's not a promise anymore. Paul says you, you, you don't need hope for what you already have. You need hope for what you don't have. I want to close this way this evening. You believe you've got or we've got. I want you just to step out of your seat and just come stand down at this altar and in, in some way or the other, your words, but would you just take a few moments right now and tell God. I, I may be in Egypt, God. And you may not have told me exactly all the details of how long I was going to be in Egypt, but but I know you gave me a promise. I know you've given me a word, so I'm holding on to that word, that there's coming a day. There's coming a day. There will be a day, God, when you fulfill the word you've given because you cannot lie. You can't lie, God. You can't lie. Your word is true. Every promise you've made is true. Come on, some of you got some promises like Lazarus. They've been buried and the stone has been rolled in place and feels like it's so dead it's impossible, but But I believe the Holy Ghost is saying to some people tonight, roll away, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Some of you got some promises that maybe they feel like that valley of dry bones Ezekiel saw. And the Lord's asking you a question tonight. Can can these bones live? Can these bones live? God, they're they're very dry, God. These aren't just any bones. They're very dry bones. but, But Lord, you know. Come on, I feel some life coming to some promises tonight. I feel some life coming to some rhema tonight. Come on, let a fresh spark of faith arise in you tonight. Come on, let God bring about a fresh spark of faith ground don't don't he didn't lie to you he hasn't neglected his promises to you you didn't make a mistake you didn't miss it don't he said it he's gonna do it he knows where you are he knows what you're going through but it's all apart don't it's all a part of the journey. It's all a part of the process that he has. It's all a part of the steps that he's ordained. Because there's no way he can let you in the name of Jesus. Don't you ever give up In the name of Jesus According to your word, God According to your word You said you're going to do it So you're going to do it You promised you would do it So you're going to do it, God In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Don't you ever give up I may be in the midst of my 400 plus years God but you're going to do exactly what you said I may be in that 400 year period maybe you didn't tell me about it the way you told Abram the way you told your children but But I'm exactly where, God, you're able to still do. You're still able to do what you promised, God. You're still able to do what you promised, God. In the name of Jesus. Hold on to the faith and the blessings will follow. Keep praying. Keep praying. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I challenge some of you young people this evening, you young adults, this may not be a word that fits where you are in this moment. This may not seem to be a word that fits the season you're in, but I I challenge you to... Hide it within your heart because don't I can I can promise you there's gonna be some seasons God takes you through that you're gonna question leaving. and doubt, but it's all don't a part of his process. It. It's all been ordained, it's all been orchestrated up. by him. there's no way he can let you down. In the name of Jesus, in the name the of ground, Jesus. So don't keep up. Karamando lobos e yalara bahaya E yalara bokos ataramanda e praying in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Karamando lobos e yalara bahaya I karamanda e yalara